Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the First of Moose podcast presented by U92, the Moose student radio station of West Virginia University. I'm your host, as always, Patrick McCabe, along with my co-host, Manny Mardiege. Folks, we have made it past the wildcard round. We've made it past the divisional round, and we are at the NFC Championship and AFC Championship games this coming Sunday afternoon and evening. We'll get into those games later in the week. Let's recap this past weekend, the divisional round, four highly competitive, highly entertaining games. Let's start it off with the first game, Jaguars-Chiefs 27-20 in favor of the Chiefs at the end of that game. Excuse me. You know, to lead off the divisional playoffs, you were looking at the Jacks as a potential upset candidate. They were coming off of a pretty impressive win uh, you know, you go down 28 nothing, and then you come all the way back to, you know, beat the Chargers in a 31-point comeback. And then going into this game, you know, it was probably tough for, I'd say, the up until Mahomes' injury. Up until when Mahomes went down with that injury, he started to struggle a little bit. It was firmly in the Chiefs' favor. Uh, going into this, you know, we'll get into it a little bit more, but the storyline for the Chiefs is going to be how he- how healthy is Patrick Mahomes? Because if he cannot run, then it's going to make it a heck of a lot easier for the Bengals to be able to you know defend against him. I mean, he is a one of the he is probably a top two quarterback in the NFL, and if he cannot run, then that eliminates a good portion of his game. Uh, for you, Manny, in this one. You know, again, it was tough for the Jaguars to go out like this. What do you take away from a season like this, second season under Doug Peterson, and really just the resurgence uh, of this Jaguars franchise that we haven't seen since probably 2016-2017? Yeah, uh, I think it was it was de- definitely not what the, the Jaguars fans or anybody really had in mind, but uh, they were talking about it during the game. Um the the two the team doing it they said that at the beginning of the season Doug Peterson said that before they even thought about winning and like getting back to winning ways that this team had a lot of healing to do and I thought that was such a great quote from him because of, of everything that happened last season with Urban Meyer and just the origin of the agent as a whole it was just a complete mess and for them to turn around complete 180 into what they did this year was really outstanding and no doubt he'll be in the coach of the year conversations um, but yeah, I think the way he managed to build this team, a young team, um, at that, um, through Trevor Lawrence, keeping the confidence in him and getting him weapons like Christian Kirk, who at the time, a lot of people were questioning that contract he got, but, um, I don't know if he totally lived up to it, but he did prove to be a very valid weapon, um, for Trevor Lawrence, plus Zay Jones as well. He was a good good two to compliment Christian Kirk. And even Evan Ingram, who had very bad stint with the Giants, proved uh, to kind of rejuvenate his career uh, with the Jaguars. So a lot of surprises on the offensive end, but their defense as well, very young, all played very well through their defensive line. Uh, they just got better as the season got longer uh, over the 17 weeks, and that's what you want to want to see when you bring in a new coach and all these new players. So I think they're, they should be very proud of what they did. And they even won that division as well, which I think will be very much opened 
um, over these next few years, depending on what the Titans do, the Texans do with all their picks, and even the Colts, what their QB situation will be. But this is definitely the division that if the Jaguars play it right, they could definitely run it for the next at least three, maybe five years um, or so. I completely agree. Again, I think this is the definition of a rebuild. Uh, much like when Peterson came in uh, to the Eagles franchise after they got decimated by Chip Kelly, you know, I'd have to argue Urban Meyer is probably worse than Chip Kelly. And that's really saying something. Uh, it's really saying something knowing, you know, knowing what I know about Chip Kelly. Uh, Doug Peterson loves these type of teams that he can rebuild and make his own. And he's done that. Uh, so hats off to him. Again, he's done a fantastic job down in Jacksonville, really revitalizing the team, the organization, and especially that fan base that has really just been, you know, they've dealt with so much, you know, adversity and just terrible teams uh, for the longest time in Jacksonville. Let's get into the Chiefs, though. Again, they are they've been a they have been a dominant team ever since. Uh, Patrick Mahomes came into the league six years now ago. What, five, six years ago? I don't even know how long. It's been a while. It's been probably since we were freshmen in high school, so 2016, 2017. Um, but again, this is a Chiefs team that isn't the same uh, as when they had Tyree Kill. They lost a couple of aging veterans, but this is still a team that, you know, you have Patrick Mahomes, you have Travis Kelsey, you know, maybe you don't have that true number one like you did with Tyree Kill, but you still have, you know, guys like Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, you know, you have guys like Isaiah Pacheco, who's a seventh-round pick, done exceptional so far in his role. Jet McKinnon uh, coming over from the Vikings. It's a lot of piecemeal, which is not something we typically see from the Chiefs on the offensive side. Uh, you know, how far it's going to go is going to be interesting. But this is the game that I expected them to win. For you, you know, what are you looking for for Mahomes to be able to come away, you know, for them to be able to make it back to another Super Bowl? I think either way for me, I, you know, we'll get into the Eagles and, you know, the NFC side in just a second. But it will be very, very interesting to see what kind of happens with Mahomes, you know, over the next couple of days. He's going to play. But how healthy is going to be is really the question. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one because uh, of the of his injury that he got a high ankle sprain. Uh, it could have been worse. Uh, Tony Pollard got uh, almost the same thing happened to him, but he uh, fractured uh, part of his leg. So that is uh, he's pretty fortunate to come out of it to even still playing this game. Was very fortunate, but yeah, like you said, going forward against the Bengals, now that we know. Um, it's going to be tough because I feel like a lot of people um, underestimate the Bengals defense and that front line that they have, um, which is very, very good. And the reason why they've gotten, uh, they've reached up to this point, the conference championship in back-to-back years. So uh, that's something that you have to monitor how the Chiefs online kind of handles that because they did allow pressure to get to Mahomes in the later parts of those games against the Jaguars. So if the O-line can hold up, Mahomes shouldn't really have a problem, but like you, I do expect them to have to use his legs in this one to win because as everyone knows, the the Bengals are 3-0 against this Chiefs team. They haven't beaten them yet. They haven't beat Joe Burrow yet. So a rematch of last year where I thought the Chiefs were 
pretty comfortable in that game, but then in the second half they didn't score a point. Um, you want, of course, you want to try to avoid that again. Um, but if Mahomes can maneuver as he usually does, I'd say like at a 80 percent of what he can usually do with his legs, I think they'll be fine. But I think more so it kind of relies on their defense to kind of handle the Bengals' offense to really be the determinant in this game because you kind of know what you're going to get out of the Chiefs' offense. Um, even with no true number one, like you said, they've run the ball a lot a lot better. They have uh, at least two or three guys that are prominent running back roles or have prominent running back roles in their offense. Isaiah Pacheco, like you mentioned, and Jerick McKinnon, who you always have to account for. So offensively, I think they'll be fine. But it's really, to me, it'll be their defense on how um, – discipline they are guarding those uh that three-headed monster that they have in Cincinnati and if they can get the pressure to Joe Burrow who I think might have two or three of his linemen still out for that game so that'll be interesting to monitor as well I agree that's gonna be an interesting matchup again we'll get into that later this week with our championship previews let's get into the other Saturday game I'm going to let you talk about this first. <laughs> this was boring. I mean, it was a 38-7 to beatdown of the Giants, and I love it personally. You know, I want nothing more than to see the NFC East burn and, you know, burn out in the playoffs. But this was boring. Like, this was genuinely one of the most boring games of the year. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for this Eagles team. I'm curious what you thought of it, you know, as just another as another NFL fan, you know, what do you what are your expectations now for this Eagles team? Uh expectations I I guess uh I don't want to give away my pick um now, but I mean this is kind of what I expected. This is what I expected of a team if you did if I didn't watch the Giants last week play so good against the Minnesota Vikings, which we have said they are, they were the most fraudulent team, but the Giants did play pretty decent in that game. Um, but this is what I expected without having watched the Giants last week, a team that's 14 and three in the Eagles against a team that up to that point was the least talented left in the playoffs. Everybody else, in my opinion, had more talent, more weapons, more, I guess, more flashy players. Um, for sure, and this is what what you get if uh if you just pair up those two, knowing those two things about either team. So it was you guys were up twenty eight to nothing in the first half. The Giants just compared to the wild card round couldn't get anything going offensively. I thought they would struggle in the run game, but they almost completely abandoned it when they went down twenty one nothing in the second quarter. Saquon really wasn't a factor and. I know everybody wants to get back in the game quickly, but he's your best player. You're not going to throw yourself back into that game with Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slater, and Richie James going up against uh, that Eagles secondary. So um, it was unfortunate that their defense couldn't hold up. I expect them to play a little better, but um, I, everyone I think always forgets that your old line is probably the best, definitely the best left in this in the playoffs, but arguably one of the best in the entire NFL. So they just completely outplayed the Giants D-line. And Jalen Hurts didn't really have to use his legs. He only used them when he wanted to, when it was designed for him to run. But other than that, he had no pressure in his face. And you're not going to beat the Eagles with no pressure on Jalen Hurts. So 
Um, yeah, this is kind of what I expected them. And to say I expect it in the ne in this coming week, I'd say to a degree, kind of, because again, that old line part of your team is huge, both lines, D line and offensive line. But um, it'll definitely be a bit challenging. But it's a uh, it's a good tell of how um, you guys want to play establishing the run and then playing off of that into the passing game. But it was a good start to this playoffs for this Eagles team that uh, a lot of people questioned the first round by just because they're thinking one team's already played. They're a bit, uh, they have a bit more momentum than the number one seed, but you guys very quickly put that, put all that uh, talk to uh to shame after just the second quarter. I agree. I think it was, you know, again, it wasn't a game that I think the receivers liked at all. I don't know if you saw A.J. Brown. He is dealing mm -hmm. with some type of nagging injury. They didn't say exactly what, but you could see his displeasure on the sideline uh, talking with Sirianni about what was going on. You know, Devontae Smith had six for 61. Goddard, five for 58. Brown only had three for 22, which is not great. Obviously, it's not fantastic for your number one wide receiver. But, you know, you also have to remember he is your guy for the future. For the next three years after this, he is your guy. He's a premier, you know, wide receiver in this NFL. So for me, you know, obviously I want to see him get more production, but also – you have to remember he's here for another three years. You don't want to jeopardize his health just for some silly matchup against the Giants where you're already up 28 nothing by halftime. I'm not worried about this team whatsoever. People keep saying you should be worried about Jalen Hurts. Oh my God, his right, you know, his right throwing shoulder. What's he gonna do? But he went 16 for 24, 154 yards, and two touchdowns. I don't know how much better you can get than that. I mean, 67% completion rating from where he was last year at like 60, 61. You know, I think I'm going to take that, honestly. Uh, there are going to be people later in this week that are going to be like, oh, my God, it's Brock Purdy, the seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant. Is he going to do it? No, he's not, okay? And that's not me being an Eagles fan. That's me being a realist and understanding this 49ers team is good, but this Eagles team is better. They're better coached, and that's saying something because Kyle Shanahan is a good is a very good coach. He's a very good coach, top five in the league. But, but, but they don't have Jalen Hurts. They don't have Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. They don't have, nobody has the composure that Jalen Hurts has in this NF in the NFL. There is absolutely Nobody, and you're laughing at me because I sound like every other Philly sports radio host, and it's accurate. I don't think there is anybody in the NFL who has the composure like Hertz does, and there's nobody that can deal with the Philly with the Eagles defense better than Hertz. And you know, just so happens he won't have to face them on Sunday. It'll be Brock Purdy, Mister Irrelevant, and he has not faced a defense like the Eagles. Nobody's faced the defense like the Eagles all season. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. It's just I think if you guys there's nobody in the league better that to put a game away than the Eagles because if they get up two scores, maybe even three scores like they did against the Giants, that they, they just decide they're not gonna throw the ball anymore. They're gonna run it with Miles Sanders. If he gets tired, Kenneth Gainwell will come in 
and then even Boston Scott will come in, and then they'll just do that. Even Jalen Hurts will run. Um, you guys just kill the clock and just put the game away. There's really um, no doubt that you guys won't do that if you guys are up by a lot. The only thing I'll say, I guess, to counter that in in your two in a couple of your losses, a couple of them more at home. The one to the Commanders just stuck out to me because I actually watched that one almost to the entirety was um, that if you were to lose a game, it really comes down to the mistakes you guys make um, a lot of the time. And even against the Colts in that one, you guys, it's a game that nobody thought the Colts would be in, but they came close. It came down to last uh, last couple minute touchdown by Jalen Hurts. But it's a lot of the times you guys, like not getting in your way per se, but just making the mistakes yourselves. And that allows the other team to get a second chance, try again. And then that Eagles defense is on there for a lot longer than they should. And that's where the, the issues could arise. But um, I will say on the topic of Brock Purdy, there were some throws against the Seahawks where uh, they looked a bit suspect. Like if the, they were playing a better defense, those couple balls that he threw across the middle would have been intercepted. Luckily for the 49ers, he kind of improved on it against the Cowboys. I didn't see a lot of those throws. He made some pretty decent throws, uh, fitting it into some tight windows. But I guess for a 49ers fan, to be encouraged, you are seeing, I guess, a little bit of progress. But he's going to have to play almost perfect to beat this Eagles team. And if they, the biggest thing for them, I don't want to get too much into it, is to just stay in front, just keep up with the Eagles. Um, because you can't rely on them making mistakes because that way you get over complacent and then you're chasing the game from them. But it will be one that I'll be interested to see. And I think a lot of people were probably going to take the Eagles in that one. I'm glad you're taking the Eagles because I'm also going to take the Eagles. We'll get into that uh, at the end of the show. Let's get into Sunday's games. First one was Bengals 49ers or Bengals 49ers. <laughs> Bengals Bills, excuse me. Uh, that would have been an interesting matchup. Bengals, Bills, it was a tough ending for this Bills team, but I saw a lot of conversation about this Bills team being a lot farther away from the Super Bowl this year than they were last year. And this team, this year, you know, is probably better, you know, in, in a lot of aspects. They are a much better team, more experienced team. You know, they dealt with the heartbreak of last season. Um, losing to the Chiefs in the divisional round. Uh, you know, this team did not look the same. They don't look like the potential they should have been. Uh, for you, again, you saw the Bengals all season. What did you take away from this game for them going forward? You know, you talked, you mentioned it. They're still without three offensive linemen. Uh, we'll see the injury reports for this week as it goes on. But, you know, the issue is there for this offensive line, but they still held up against, you know, one of the best defenses in the NFL. Yeah, no, it's uh, I was very shocked by that. Um, I know the game plan was probably to, to make Joe Burrow get the ball out of his hands in like two seconds. But after that first quarter, he, he I, I thought that he felt a lot more confident. He held it a lot more because, Really, the pressure was not getting there. And I almost forgot that the Bills had Von Miller at one point in this season. I forgot he was injured when they brought it up. And it, it made all of the difference, really. They got no pressure on there. To the to a left tackle that was making his first NFL start in the divisional round, to get no pressure on that, it's you're not going to win a game like that. 
against Joe Burrow, who has probably one of the best pocket presences in the NFL. Um, he just always knows to me watching him, like he knows where this throw is going to be, the timing of everything, how everything should play out. And um, that's where you can never count out the Bengals. And I did expect a bit more fight from this Bills defense because they do have some great players, like you said, um, Milano, Tredavious White, Tremaine Edmonds, Ed Oliver as well. Um, those are all great players, and I thought they would make a play or two in that game, but that just never came. The credit to the Bengals, they game planned it very well. And again, I wa- every time I watch the Bengals defense, I always think they're not up to par with the other team's offense, but they always surprise me in how well they scheme everything, they bring the pressure, and th- off they play off of that. Um, so, yeah, I think they just won on both sides of the ball, and the Bills um, just never really seemed to connect with each other. The connection with Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen really wasn't there, and you saw that in the frustration that Stephon Diggs showed on the sideline. And, yeah, the, the Bengals won on both sides of the ball, and they're going to be regretting, um, I guess, this season that's just a complete failure, you could say, because – Everyone talks them up every year. They're probably people's Super Bowl favorites. And now to be gone again in the divisional round, It's uh, you don't know where to stand with this Bills team of where they can get better or what they should do to change things uh, around there. I keep forgetting to unmute myself. This is a bad, this is a bad habit of mine. Uh, I agree again. I think this Bills team, you know, they have these lofty expectations. They're Super Bowl or bust every season. And it's going to come back to bite them eventually. You know, you go back to the 90s where you made four Super Bowls in a row. It's still unheard of. You don't have that happen. You probably won't have that happen ever again. You're going to see runs like the Chiefs who, you know, get to the AFC championship five years, what, five years in a row now. Um, You know, they're going to have run. They're going to be runs like that before Super Bowl was in a row is unheard of. It's very, very hard to do in today's NFL. Uh, So I think Bill's fans are probably, even though it was 30 years ago now, uh, you know, the expectation is still there with this Bill's team, with the talent that they have invested, the money, everything. The, the amount of stuff that they've invested into this team is super bowl or bust and to end up in the divisional again you have to wonder what's going to change for this bills team where do you improve because you're t- you know the, that's the good thing and bad thing of your team getting older they get more experienced and they become more mature more disciplined but at the same time you know they're starting to get older Tredavious white Jordan Poyer, Micah High, they're all starting to get closer and closer to, you know, the wrong side of 30 or already on the wrong side of 30. Josh Allen's going to be 27, 28 now. You know, Stefan Diggs is starting to hit the wrong side of 32. So this Bills Super Bowl window is closing very, very fast. They have one, maybe two more years of this window, and that's it in my opinion, because you don't have, you cannot get this amount of stars onto a team in a very short time, unless you want to be like the Rams and then flame out, you know, after one year. So that'll be interesting to see how the Bills kind of attack this offseason, how they rebuild, not rebuild, but really just reload uh, and try to make this team, you know, more balanced, in my opinion. 
For the Bengals, though, it's an impressive win. It adds to their arsenal again, people doubting them throughout this season. Uh, even though they made the Super Bowl last year, you know, they go they're now in the AFC championship once again, going up against the Chiefs on Sunday night. That or the Sunday afternoon game will be the 49ers and the Eagles. This is probably the greatest day. It was probably one of the greatest days of my life watching the Cowboys burn. You know, I don't even know what to say. It was glorious, to say the least, honestly. It was, there were parts of me that wanted the Cowboys to win. Genuinely, I wanted them to win to give them false hope making it to the NFC Championship first time in 27 years, make the NFC Championship, and then get embarrassed like the Giants did uh, just this past weekend. That would have made my entire year. Like, nothing would have gotten better than that. This might be better, though, because this was the biggest disaster of a game I've ever seen by the Cowboys. I've seen some pretty bad ones. There have been some major, major F-ups by Jason Garrett and now Mike McCarthy, both terrible with clock management. Uh, that's, that's a real weakness of the Cowboys organization. Well, let's get into it. 19-12 in favor of the 49ers. Really low-scoring game. The 49ers are a dangerous team. Again, this is a team... On offense, you have guys like George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, uh, running back, Chris, oh God, Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey. Exactly. See, the weapons, you know, there are a lot of weapons on that team. Elijah Mitchell as well. And you have a pretty decent offensive line. Uh, and then, of course, you have Brock Purdy at the helm, uh, third string quarterback. You have to remember that at the end of the day. That'll be an interesting conversation after the season, whether or not he remains a starter. He will not. There will not. There is no way he remains a starter after this season. After you just spent the third overall pick on Trey Lance, uh, Garoppolo won't be back. That's for certain. But, yeah, Trey Lance will be your starter next year. That's a hot take right there. But it will probably be a cold take by the next training camp, in my opinion. Let me get your your opinion on this game as I continue to ramble uh, before I keep rambling more and more. Yeah, I think it was – I don't know. I After what I saw from the Cowboys against the Bucks, I thought I'd get more out of this offense. I didn't – this this offense is so, so delicate in a way that if they make one mistake – it's just oh, it's almost over. You you'd hate to say it. Um, they're not like other teams. If if Patrick Mahomes throws an interception, you know it kind of doesn't really phase him. Um, he'll come back and still play the same. But with Dak, when he threw that first interception on a bad route by Michael Gallup, I won't put it on Dak, but that that route was not very good. Um, he he threw an interception. Then from that point on, I thought the the Forty ers were gonna. Uh, almost turn it on and just run away with it. But they also, too, were slow to get their offense going and get past that uh, Dallas defensive line that got to Brock Purdy a, a few times, but I expected more of their defense as well. Um, but luckily for the 49ers, their defense is just it's just better than the Cowboys' defense in two, in definitely, definitely two out of the three aspects of 
of the defense. They have better linebackers. Their D-line is on par with the Cowboys, and their secondary as well is just very good, and they all know what to do. They disguise things very well. If anybody saw that play from Fred Warner across the middle to break up the pass to CeeDee Lamb, um, they have those two linebackers are great for them, and they play the run and pass very well, which gave Dak a lot of issues connecting with anybody other than CeeDee Lamb, which I guess was another another issue that this Cowboys team doesn't have another weapon, a good, reliable one other than CeeDee Lamb. Dolan Schultz is all right. He's reliable, but you need another weapon, which is why I question them letting Amari Cooper leave. Um, That showed up now, of course. So I think they need to get another weapon to complement CeeDee Lamb because Michael Gallup really doesn't do it for me. Um, and yeah, if you're just, and plus Tony Pollard got injured off, of course that wasn't going to help him out. Um, just all these things piled up on the Cowboys, um, for them to really almost shoot themselves in the foot. A lot of the times Dak with those, with that red zone interception to really hurt them. And then at the end that clock management, it was bad clock management, but that was just more of the players don't show us, especially you probably saw it. Um, that not establishing both feet and bounds and keeping the clock running on the previous play as well. It was just bad end of the game. It, it almost seems like they have no idea what to do. Like they never run a two minute draw at the end of the game to, to even think of what they were going to do in that situation. So the 49ers clearly the more prepared team, the better team at the end of the day. And that's why they'll be uh, facing your Eagles in the NFC championship. It'll be a fun one on Sunday afternoon. I'll definitely uh, – there will be nothing distracting me from that game whatsoever. Again, it's it's interesting how this – you know, the NFL has ended up this season. Now with four teams left, of course, 49ers versus the Eagles at the Eagles, and then, of course, the Chiefs and the Bengals at Arrowhead. It's interesting, but – Again, I'm not really shocked at how the how the playoffs have shaken up down to these four teams. Maybe the Bills are surprising, but you know, in this, especially in this Cowboys game, I mean, they have they you know they're gonna be there, you know, they're gonna get this hype every year, blah blah blah. But you know, this is a team that is fundamentally flawed. From the top down, that comes from Jerry Jones holding every single executive position in the organization. Uh, That organization will never change. The expectations from the fans will never change. From the media, it will never change because they're America's team. They're America's darling. But they're not. They are not America's team. America's team is... I'm not going to say that because that would be a very controversial take. Uh, it's the it's the Eagles, of course, because you know the country. Uh, is burnt. That's questionable. That's no, it's questionable. not. It's not questionable. It's not questionable because the country was was created in Philadelphia, so technically they are America's team. I would say the Patriots maybe more than the Eagles. Oh, to be honest, please. no, no. Okay, you know what? <laughs> See, this is why I don't even bring the conversation up because it's not good. Um. It's controversial. But you cannot keep calling this Cowboys team America's team if they have not made an NFC championship in 27 years and all you talk about is your Super Bowls from the 90s. I'm not discrediting them. The Cowboys were the best team in the 90s by far. 
That was 30 years ago, though. That was 30 years ago that they won a Super Bowl. It's been a long time. And that has to end at some point. But it won't. It will not because Cowboys fans are the most delusional in the NFL. And that is coming from an Eagles fan who is one of the most delusional fan bases in the entire NFL. Quickly, I want to get your picks. Just give me your score picks. We'll get into this. We'll get into both games later this week. I want to get your score picks, though. NFC Championship, AFC Championship. Okay, I'll start with the Chiefs. I say the Chiefs game, Chiefs-Bengals game. I say, uh, I'll say the Chiefs finally get their win over the Bengals and Joe Burrow. They'll win. They'll win 28-24 to at Arrowhead and go yet again to the Super Bowl. And as for the NFC Championship, I just can't take the Niners with Brock Purdy. I, I, I almost feel it almost feels too good to pick the Eagles because they're so dominant and they but it almost makes you want to pick the 49ers then because the Eagles are so dominant and everybody expects them to win anyway. But I think just if the Eagles don't end up in the Super Bowl, it'll just be more their fault than the 49ers is um the more props to the Niners. But I'm gonna go with the Eagles. I don't expect them. Uh <laughs> I don't expect them to to sell that game as bad as they would have to to lose it. So I'm gonna say the Eagles win by a score of I'm gonna say they win twenty seven. They'll win twenty seven to sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. I'll take that. I'm gonna go. I'll start with the Chiefs. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take what is perceived as the underdog in this game. I'm gonna go with the Bengals. I'm wow. gonna go with the Bengals again. I know it's an upset pick, but I firmly believe in Joe Burrow. I don't believe in Mahone's health after seeing how he was this past weekend. I don't believe he's going to get that much better. In only a week's time. If this was two weeks' time, I'd pick the Chiefs. But since it's only six days, five days, I'm picking Joe Burrow in this one. I think if they, they will not beat the Bengals, and the Bengals will move on to the Super Bowl. And I'd be stupid if I don't pick the Eagles. I mean, at this point, why wouldn't I not? Uh, I will always pick the Eagles no matter what. They will win this game against the 49ers. They are the dominant team. I agree. This is a team. Both teams have great weapons on offense and defense. Highly intelligent head coaches. You know, Shanahan's done it for a lot longer than Sirianni has. Sirianni has proven that he is a very, very good head coach in this league and can lead this team to Super Bowls with the Nets. I firmly believe that. This team is dominant. I expect the Eagles to win this one. Tickets going for as low as $504. <laughs> I know my dad got tickets for this one, so I wow. am very, very mad. Very mad. <laughs> uh, I wish I could be there, but you know, we're here down at school, so I'll be celebrating from here. You might hear me, actually, from my apartment. Uh, my, apart- my apartment building does not like me at all. At all. I am clapping as loud. I'm <laughs> clapping loudly every first down. 
my apartment, my building hates me. Uh, but you know what? I'll take it for an Eagles Super Bowl. Eagles win it. I'm going to take them 27-14. It'll be an Eagles-Bengals Super Bowl. It'll be an interesting matchup for sure. But we'll get into that a little bit later this week. Make sure to stick around for that episode. Thank you again for listening to the First of Moose podcast presented by United to the Moose student radio station of West Virginia University. And as always, I'm your host, Patrick McCabe, signing off for me and Manny Margiega, my co-host. Thank you again. We'll be back on Friday to preview the NFC and AFC championship in its entirety. Thank you again. We'll see you on Friday.